back to Beards and Banners. It's time for episode seven, and we're going to call this our Christmas episode. I'm Brian Williams. And I'm Matt McCrory here for episode siete. Hey, nice. Throwing a little Espanol in there in the mix this evening. It's been uh, it's been quite a week. There's been a lot going on, not just in our lives, but in the industry themselves. And uh, we had an opportunity to go on the road a little bit this past weekend and and spend a little time with some of those uh, college teams and coaches and some of those high school judges out there on winter workout. And man, was it fun! We got to go to Griswolds and and to Pfeiffer's to film some goats. And then went to Express there, all in Oklahoma. Kind of was an Oklahoma weekend, but man, what a great weekend. It's neat to see those young folks out there on the road getting kind of some of them their first taste of a winter workout. And gosh, what great livestock to look at. It was it was unbelievable. You know, one of my all-time dreams is to go to Express and just have a day where I can look around and look at their stock. I've just everyone that goes there talks about how just amazing the livestock are how organized it is and just how good the setup is so i i really envy you my friend by being able to go down there and that's really cool and hey kudos to all those people for opening up their doors and opening up their arms and letting people come through and learn exactly you know you know, and I'll use Griswolds as an example because obviously their big sale was this weekend, two-day event, and, and they sell a boatload of cattle and a boatload of good ones. And talk about a, like a first-class operation in every sense of the word, elite cattle, an elite ranch, elite people. And, you know, I know that that's one of the things they always talk about is that, you know, they've got a lot of irons in the fire that weekend with people coming in to buy cattle and putting on a big two-day sale with, you know, I, I can't, I, I don't even know how many they sold, 600 and something had, I think. I, I could be just making that number up. But then do, you know, in the middle of it, right at the first morning, say, okay, we're going to get all these, we're going to get eight classes worth of cattle together. We're going to let 600 college and high school teams come in and evaluate them. We're going to put on a committee. We're going to put together questions and we're going to wrestle these sale cattle around multiple rounds while kids are sorting them. You know, that's a huge deal and and a mindset that just not everybody has. And like you said, and, and I can't say it enough, my hat's off to folks like that who say, you know what, making young people in our industry better to us is just as important as the bottom line when we sell these things at the end of the, you know, into the afternoon absolutely and And it's such a cool deal such a cool deal well you're like me anytime you get to provide livestock for a livestock judging contest or have people you know we've had college kids come out to our place a couple times and you know it's an honor to have them out there and that's one of the reasons that you kind of do things so that people can see good stock and evaluate your stock and it's always exciting so you know I, I commend those people for making it work this weekend, but also at the same time, like, I bet they enjoyed it. I bet they loved every second of it. You just being able to show off what good stock they have. That's great. And so thank you guys for doing what you are for the industry. That's right. That's right. Shout out to all those operations and really all those folks 
you know, like Matt said, and, and we're both lucky enough, we get to do that a little bit ourselves and put on some workouts and have, you know, teams come through, especially, you know, I know Matt, you know, for you and I, a lot of that happens in the fall of the year uh, when those teams are kind of on the road, mm-hmm. edit a national bear show, they need hog workouts. And so we get some teams come through and then I'll tell you, it, it, those are some of my favorite days of the fall. They really are. I, I love getting to see those teams come out to our place and, you know, just kind of look at it. It's not the best livestock in the world, but it's always fun to have them there. And, uh, and it's a way I think it, it's really beneficial twofold. I think the, the opportunity for those kids to get out and put boots on the ground at a lot of different operations and see how all that stuff works and see different ways of doing it, different setups, you know, from, Hey, we're, you know, we're just, we're just raising a few and we're just all the way up to the most elite operations in the nation that obviously have something figured out there. I think that that's something I know it, me as a, as a young man, that was hugely impactful on my life and my way of looking at raising livestock and really opening my mind to a lot of different things. And the second version is it's not a bad thing for producers either. Um, you know, you got to realize those kids that are on those judging teams. There's a lot of those kids that are going to go right into the yeah. livestock world. And uh, when they've been at your place, they've looked at your stuff, they've got a relationship there a little bit, or at least a familiarity with you, you know, the odds are down the road, they may not need to buy a show pig, but they're probably going to be one of those people in their community that people look to and say, hey, you know, anybody raises good pigs? Doesn't hurt to have your name on that list. And so it's it's beneficial, I think, both ways. And I, I know to a certain extent, a lot of people look at it like that. And I'm thankful, you know, we had Thanksgiving already, but I think it's okay to be thankful for stuff at Christmas too. I will tell you, as a kid, I'm thankful for those experiences. When I was teaching ag, I was incredibly thankful to people that opened their doors to us. And I know you are too, to get to come work out and practice. And now doing what I do in the judging pro realm of the world, I couldn't be more thankful for operations that are willing to let me come in and video stuff so that kids around the nation can watch it, even though, you know, there's maybe no immediate benefit for them in terms of the operation itself. I think they understand the bigger picture and, and uh, man, that's, it's just awesome. And I'm so thankful for those folks. I know we have a few livestock judges and uh, coaches and also kids um, that listen that are on judging teams across the nation. And, and one thing I will do is just a little bit of tip about some etiquette. You know, when you're there and, and being complimentary of, of the stock instead of tearing them down it is really, really important. And every time that we go somewhere uh, and we take kids to evaluate, like that's one of the things we talk about. Like, hey, this is probably what you're going to see. Let's not tear this thing down. Let's let's be positive with it. Obviously, this is working for that producer right now. Mm-hmm. So we need to understand that, hey, it might not be your type, but that's his type and kind or her type and kind. And we need to be cognizant of, hey, you know, they're find some good in them. Don't just assume they're trash and don't just throw those things away uh, because, you know, they're awful proud of them still and they invite you out. So make sure that you're thankful. Make sure you're courteous and gracious mm-hmm. and uh, and try to be positive as much as you can. That's right. I like that, Matt. I think that's a great message. Um, 
to to kids and to teachers and coaches out there, especially some of those younger generation kids that maybe haven't been doing it as long. And I guess I'm talking about coaches. Um, you know, when you go somewhere, of course you gotta you gotta you gotta find the good and the bad. You know, you're trying to teach you know how to evaluate things, mm-hmm. and so obviously, you know, none of them are perfect. Doesn't matter what operation you go to, not gonna find a perfect one. Um, but you know, like they say on TV all team all the time, results may vary. And uh, you're you're going to see different types of livestock at different operations. And some of it's going to be more on the common side. And some of it is going to be, you know, elite. You may look at a set of, you know, donor, potential donor heifers that there might be a million dollars in value in those yeah. four animals. Hey, somebody still loses that class, right? Like somebody still mm-hmm. goes forth. And on the flip side of the coin, you may look at a set of, you know, uh, what what we think of as just, you know, feeding deck fat hogs that maybe didn't make the cut to be show pigs or whatever. Um, but somebody still wins that one. There's still some positives to find. It's not just a let's pile on and all these things are horrible and mm-hmm. they don't, you know, they're probably not going to go win in San Antonio, mm-hmm. but I'll bet there's still some value in them. And, and we're faced with those classes as livestock evaluators, whether it's on a 4-HFA or collegiate level, or if we're judging a show, or the bigger picture, and you and I have talked about this before, Matt, and even on our last episode where we talked a little bit about, you know, how we evaluate and some of that has to be, you know, based on, especially in market animals, industry and consumer demand. When we go out and decide these are the ones we're keeping, these are the ones we're getting rid of, these are the ones that we maybe think we can pimp on and and sell them as a show animal or, Hey, these are the ones that, you know, probably not going to make it as a show mm-hmm. show creature. Let's, let's just, you know, sell them as a feeder. They still have value. They still have practicality and purpose. We hope anyway. And so, yeah, finding those things and obviously, you know, being honest and yeah, this one needs to be better here, but still have this going for them. I think that's a good message. I like that, Matt. Yeah. I like it too. And I will argue Sometimes my students learn just as much from seeing bad livestock oh. as they do from good ones. Oh, yeah. And you, sometimes we get entitled thinking we need to only see and evaluate the best ones. But I'm going to tell you, I've been to national contests before, and I've been to a lot of really high-scale contests that, you know, the stock was pretty above average. It wasn't incredible. And yeah. it was sortable. And just because sometimes those those times of the year – where those national shows, it's hard to find mm-hmm. pigs to evaluate and different things to evaluate that are in that time range and things like that. So things to think about uh, when you guys are out and about. And boy, I just an exciting time to be that. Another thing that's exciting is, hey, we've got some really cool things on tap today, buddy. Tell me about it, Matt. I can't wait to hear what's on this episode. You know, you and I both have a little bit of a sweet tooth sometimes but at the same time we like some christmas treats so we're going to talk about our favorite christmas treats for uh the holiday season we're definitely going to hit into the playlist and uh we have some people that have chimed in that said hey please mention these and they have some good ones for us we have a best gag gift segment and we're also going to talk about some of the best christmas presents that we've ever received then one of my favorite things to talk about is both of us sometimes have to find it raising livestock on a budget. Mm. And so there's some things that we can 
kind of skimp on, and there's some things that we just refuse to spare no expense. So we're going to talk about those things that we feel is important to spare no expense on and not skimp on when you guys are thinking about this upcoming show seasons. Finally, we're going to end with a motivational message. I'll talk a little bit about the movie It's a Wonderful Life, and Brian will take us home with a really good motivational message that he has for us today. So I'm looking forward to it, man. And I can't wait to talk about some Christmas treats starting us out. Man, me too. You know, Matt, every holiday kind of has its own little set of foods. Christmas is certainly no different, right? Um, I remember being a kid and there was always uh, this time of the year, always some little snacks or cookies or treats or something set out. My mom would probably cook or bake every day, probably during the month of December. And there was always some kind of little treats. I know, you know, there's a lot of uh, places that people work and they'll do like a, a treat exchange or a cookie exchange and they bring stuff in, you know, yeah. everybody gets to take a handful of what everybody brought. And uh, I can tell you, boy, I, I enjoy that kind of stuff too. Get a little random sampling of a lot of different fun stuff. Matt, what's your favorite? What's your favorite Christmas treat? For some people, it's a Christmas ham. For some people, you know, it's, you know, they, they have like prime rib and, and maybe they have, you know, some seafood to go along with it. Some people, you know, we're going to talk about playlists. And I know that you're going to talk about one of everybody's favorites, Feliz Navidad. Yes, sir. Everybody goes south of the border and has tacos on Christmas. I don't know. Um, but well, that's not really what we're getting at. What we're getting at is when you're hanging out with family and friends and you're watching the kids play with their new toys or you are stumbling through the kitchen on your way to sit down in your chair and watch Christmas Vacation for the 37th time this month, what do you grab a handful of? What's your favorite treat? You know, uh, we talk about like growing up a lot and what we kind of like to reminisce and have on hand. And I tell you, there's two things that I always love around Christmas time. And they bring me back to when I was like 10, 11, 12. The first thing is my grandfather always made party mix, checks mix. Oh, yeah. And he had a little Worcestershire in it, some hot sauce, some garlic salt, and, and, and it has to be straight pretzels. It can't be the curved pretzels. Right. Got to be the okay? straight. Yep. And it used to, early it had just peanuts, but as, as they started doing more and more mixed nuts, then they got a little bit fancier, you know, but that party mix, that's, that is by far number one for me loves. It just brings me back to the holidays getting together and everybody just eating on that party mix. The other thing is I had a grandfather that used to give my mom those chocolate turtles with pecans and carrot caramel and the, and the chocolate on top of it. And I just remember like, they were like sacred. Like there was only 12 in a box and that's Mm -hmm. what she got. And she would only give me one. Okay. And, and I just remember, man, they were so good. And those are the kind of things that I kind of look about and, and kind of reminisce about. There's, there's also the other ones like some chocolate, chocolate covered pretzels with little sprinkles yeah. on them and things like that. Those oh, yeah. are good times, but those are my go-tos. What about you? You know, I wrote up a little short list because in my, I had to narrow it down a little bit. I'm, 
I don't get to eat a lot of sweets. I don't get to eat a lot of candy anymore. I kind of have to, I've got myself kind of in the, on the hold program a little bit. And I think that's hold indefinitely on me. Um, and so I have to kind of watch what I do a little bit, but man, growing up, I, I thought about all of those things and uh, what I enjoyed and what I remembered the most. And I will tell you, there's probably four things that come to my mind uh, right off the bat that I absolutely love that seemed like Christmas time was kind of the time you got that stuff. That was when this stuff made an appearance. And I'll tell you, probably peanut clusters peanut clusters just oh yeah chocolate and peanuts you know kind of a water yeah, for sure peanut. um love peanut clusters they don't love me back anymore but as a kid man i could put those things away and love them my dad was a big fan of these and i and i'm a huge fan of them no bake cookies huge fan of no bake cookies yes and sir my, my mom would fix those a lot uh, we still have them around the house here a bunch um peanut brittle mm -hmm. i know that i sound like an old man here when i talk about might as well throw werther's original candies on. i the think your here. your beard is getting grayer as it you is talk. getting the more i talk about this stuff the grayer my beard appears <laughs> is it 1955 uh, <laughs> it must be um i love peanut brittle i'm not ashamed of it hey, i love peanut okay. brittle i'm gonna sit around probably during the holidays uh in my house shoes and my cardigan sweater there you go. That the music's too loud, eating peanut brittle. That's my plan. That's a good holiday for me. But in my turn mind, please not be done down. Turn, turn, turn down. that down. I can't. I can't hear I... my Christmas movie here. Um, <laughs> what he say? Uh, the number one for me that I think is the ultimate Christmas treat: sugar cookies, decorated, decorated up. Sometimes they got icing, sometimes they got sprinkles, but it's hard to beat a good, good, warm sugar cookie. You're right. Christmas. Little sprinkles on them. I like the ones with the red and green sprinkles. Oh, and, yeah. Oh, Those they look are, really yeah, good. Yeah. Now, hey, we've talked about some ones that we like. Now, I'm going to talk about a few that I am out on. We had a good friend, Cody Sloan, Texas That's today, right. about, That's hey, right. what's your thoughts on the on the popcorn in the tin cans and things like that. When you okay, get is that presents. even, I have to stop here for a minute. Is that still a thing? Like I haven't seen one of those in years. You know, is that even I still actually a... watched a show yesterday that that was one of the prizes. Really? So it is still a thing. You still see them at Walmart. And I'm going to tell you, I love popcorn. It is probably my number one food. I go to movies, just eat popcorn. I will go see about anything, you know, People bring say, "Hey, you want to go to Magic Mike?" I'd be like, "Okay, what's it about?" No, it doesn't even matter. Let's let's go. As long as there's popcorn, as long as there's popcorn, hey, Magic as long Mike. as there's butter. Okay, but here's the deal: in in the tin cans, the mm. caramel, the red popcorn, the different stuff like that. Man, yeah. I just I just like my salty buttered popcorn. And You're I, not a big flavor guy. You just, I am not. I well, am a, a, an odd off. You just like buttered popcorn flavor. I just I, like buttered popcorn. You're I, a purist. You're a purist. You're a traditionalist. That's I okay. am very much a traditionalist. I've never been a risk taker in my life. Okay. I've always been that person that, you know, hey, we should do this. Uh, 
I don't think so. Let me, let me, <laughs> you guys go on ahead and get arrested. I'm going to stay back. We'll, I'll, uh, I'll go and bail you out later. You know, I don't know where those originated. Those, those 10, those cans of popcorn, but I know there was one in our, at least one in our house every single year of my life uh, growing up. I don't know who gave them to us. I don't know where they came from. They just sort of appeared at Christmas time. And I know my dad, I my dad would sit around at night. He my dad loved popcorn. I think if you ask my dad and he was honest, my dad would I would argue that my dad's favorite invention of all time was a microwave and microwavable mm-hmm. popcorn, probably. There you go. Because I remember you remember the air popper? You remember you, yeah. you guys ever one of them had kind of that yellow tinted shoot yeah, that like, sure. shot the popcorn out? And so my dad would make, he'd make popcorn seem like every, every night my dad would fire up that deal, make popcorn. And then when microwaves became a thing and microwavable popcorn, oh my God, like he went at least a bag a night. Um, now that being said, I remember him, we'd get those tins, but I don't think he was as in on that. Like, kind of like you, I think he was more, he's more of a purist on the popcorn. Now I will tell you that I'm not, this is, I'm, I'm, Every episode, I find one more way to tell everybody what a weirdo I am. And this is going to be tonight's fact, is I'm just not a huge popcorn guy. I, I like popcorn at the movies. Um, something about popcorn at the movies I like. But if I'm sitting at home and think, man, I want a snack, popcorn probably not you know, the top 25 things I think of. Um but when we get those tins, I could knock the bottom out of the <laughs> caramel popcorn section. Like, and then the cheese, I would eat it by section. Okay. I'd eat all the caramel. Yep. And then get stuck in my teeth, all stuck in my teeth. And it kind of, you go to chew and your teeth kind of almost stick together a little bit. That was part of the appeal of it, I guess. Then I liked the cheesy popcorn. Boy, I'd tear into that too. On a side note, to me, Matt, game on and cheesy popcorn, I think smell identical. In fact, I'm I I have a conspiracy theory that that is part of the ingredient in game on is the cheesy flavoring, cheesy stuff they put on popcorn at Christmas time has got to be in game on because it's literally the same consistency, the same smell. I, I, I've wanted to ha- have some popcorn pop, roll it around on some game on just to check the taste, but I haven't done it yet. You'd probably fill out really nice. Man, I, I don't need back to fill out big, anymore. Okay, a, sides I'm pop kinda, up a little bit. I'm kind of dense and big ribbed as it is. I don't yeah, know that but I need think about help. Think about the potential there if you were, you know, but think about how much a game on popcorn tin would cost. Oh, I can't begin to. I don't I know if it'd be worth it. Well, know? it is Christmas time, and we are talking about sparing no expense later on. Yeah, we are. we um, are. But the one kind in that tin that we haven't talked about that I think I think is a social experiment, another conspiracy theory. I don't think anybody eats that red popcorn. Mm-mm. I think it was just in there. Like, I think probably... Hey, it's Christmas time. Let's sprinkle some red in there. Put some red in there. I think it's it's they they did it. I think it's a government 
ploy to find psychopaths. Or or it's just like a way to subsidize the popcorn industry. Hey, we're just, gonna, we're just going to pop this and you guys can put this section. No one's going to eat it. No one's going to eat it. Hey, this will just subsidize it. I, I, in fact, I can't even, I ate so little of it, or if I, I may have tried it once. I don't even remember. Is it cinnamon? Is it like a cinnamon flavor, maybe? Um, I would not know because I just like the butter. <laughs> Um, um, at our house, I think we were all pretty much traditionalists, and like there would be like three or four sections, and the only section we would eat would be the butter, and yep. then like there'd be a little bit of the cheese eaten. Yeah, and then like my mom doesn't eat like popcorn very much, but she she she'd eat some of the sweeter ones, and in late January we'd throw out the rest. Like yeah, yeah, I just remember this, and then of course we'd find a use for those tins. I'm sure, but. Because we never threw anything away. But I know that the popcorn inside, the red popcorn, usually always got tossed in the trash. I don't, because I think you, yeah, I think a time or two we even tried to throw it out, see if anything could eat it. I don't think anything could eat it. Um, now, yeah. if you are a red popcorn aficionado, our hat's off to you. Like mm-hmm. we always say, to each their own. If you like something, we're certainly not going to run it down that you like it. We may run it down that we don't like it. Um, so, hey, if you're a red popcorn fan out there, reach out to us and tell us about that. Tell what it, tell us what it actually tastes like. Cause Matt wouldn't know. And I can't remember for sure. I do not. Hey, speaking of biggest fans, I have a young son of mine named Seamus Lou McCrory that has a shout out for him for the playlist. And he has requested that we talk about one of his favorite Christmas songs. It's Feliz Navidad. Mm-hmm. He loves it. And uh, we do, we've do. we been seeing a lot of Christmas lights. And we live near St. Louis, O'Fallon, kind of, a, kind of an area. So we've been doing some Christmas lights and playing some Christmas music. And boy, when Feliz Navidad comes on, man, that kid loves it. He does. He jams out a little bit. I will tell you, it's on my, you know, we talked last episode that I made a Christmas playlist. You need to tell Seamus, Feliz Navidad is on my Christmas playlist. It's one well, of my favorites too. You are one of his biggest heroes, so he's going to be super jazzed about that. You tell him that we've got a common uh, a common theme or a common favorite when it comes to Christmas music, because that's one of my favorites too. Yes, sir. Well, my friend... And former roommate, remember how we talked about a few episodes ago, how I had a roommate that I used to listen to Nickelback all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we're, yeah, <laughs> and I remember that. hate it. Well, my good friend, John McConkey, he lives in Illinois right now. John has sent me a couple songs and we are big Zach Bryan fans, you know, and he was sharing me and I, I'll be honest with you, I've been late to this party but he was sharing with me some of his favorite Zach Bryan songs. And he wanted to, he, he's going to see if I could share them a little bit. And man, I'm a big fan of John McConkie. So I'm going to do that. Um, I can't wait he to says, hear it. Tish Mingo, late oh, July yeah. are some of his favorites. But the one that he really got me turned on to that I hadn't really listened to a lot was Open the Gate. But John, 
Thanks for sharing those. And listeners, we want to hear from you. We want to know what you're listening to during this fairwind and lambing and cabin season because, man, it's exciting. You know, we've talked a lot about, obviously, Christmas songs, but it won't be long and we're all going to be sometimes literally up to our elbows in fairwind or cabin or lambing or, or kidding out does. And if you're like us, you got some music going on, got to have a way to pass the time. For sure. We always want to know what's on your playlist, uh, even if it's not Christmas music. This is a Christmas episode, so obviously we're going to talk about some Christmas tunes here. Hey, hopefully on their playlist is a Beards and Banners episode seven. Hey, we hope so anyway, right? I I, uh, I listened to a little bit of my Christmas playlist, had to go pick Briley up at the airport uh, last night. And on our way home, we listened to a little bit of the Christmas playlist. We kind of had to drive, you know, coming through Kansas City. You live a little closer to civilization than we do, Matt. And mm-hmm. so we don't get to see many Christmas lights uh, in, in our part of the world. We don't have many neighbors. And so there's not a neighborhood to really go drive through. Um, but coming home, you know, it's just, it's always kind of fun, I think. You know, kind of drive through town, drive through a city. And all those Christmas lights are going to have a little Christmas music playing. It's one of my favorite times of the year. You know, I saw something funny today. They they did this like fake thing of a guy hanging from a ladder that was going sideways. And like he was had Christmas lights on. And then that was in our subdivision. And it was really funny. Like it that, just like the fake guy hanging from the yep. ladder. I thought that was hilarious. And uh, I tell you what, it gave me some ideas because I think it's, it's pretty cool. My, I used to love to decorate the house. I would, I was Clark Griswold and I would get mm-hmm. up on the house and staple lights all over everything. Um, but as you know, Matt, as an ag teacher, when Christmas break is over, things get pretty hectic. Yeah. And so I kind of let the taking the Christmas lights down slide one year. And I didn't get them down kind of at the end of Christmas break. Well, pretty soon it's, it's May 15th. time to mow the yard. <laughs> Christmas lights have started to fall off, fell off the gutter. They've got come unloose from the porch posts. And now they're kind of in the weeds. And I kept getting them hung up in my weed eater. And I'm like, you know, maybe... I wouldn't have this problem if I just didn't put up so many Christmas lights. Uh-huh. And that kind of ended the Christmas light extravaganza at my house. Yeah. Yeah. And my kids get on to me because this year we just have some wreaths out and we're not, we're not a whole lit up house like some years. And, uh, but do you know what I do have? What do you got, Matt? I am a Christmas village fan and enthusiast. You know, I want to hear about the Christmas villages. We had one in our house. My mom was a pretty big Christmas village fan. Uh And those things get pretty detailed. For sure. Pretty intricate. Well, think about it. When you're a little kid and like seven seven years old. Oh, yeah. You can just get lost in the story of those little Christmas villages. And uh, my grandma had one of those. And I used to love it. And I inherited a few of those little houses along the way but 
uh, we, my wife and I started adding one house or one train station or one thing to our deal every year. This year was an igloo, by the way. An igloo. And, uh, it was, it is, it has gotten to be pretty extravagant and it covers the whole top of our top of our cabinets in our kitchen and uh it's pretty cool so i think we're up to like 37 houses or something like that wow you have a whole subdivision going on not yes just a village it is. it's a happening village we actually have like the north pole section and then we have the train station that you know not like yellowstone but like off the not the Yellowstone train station, yeah, but an not actual that train one. station. I want everybody to know that just there's for not a drop off there that is just like, but hey, that could be an idea too. Like, yeah, like just put an old big old Chevy truck right next to it and two cowboys. I was gonna say, do them. you ever uh, do the boys ever get out like their little toy trucks or tractors or anything and do a little farming in the Christmas village? Uh, they do not. They don't because it's so high. Like it's, I can't even reach up. Uh, there I got I had, yeah. So, but someday I hope to put it on the ground and kind of like, just like kind of lay it out. The boys are old enough. And as long as our dog doesn't mm. mess with it too much. So it's pretty fun. I enjoy it. Uh, you'll have to send me a picture of it, Matt. I'm pretty well, fascinated by them things. I, I get, I get pretty, pretty excited about the Christmas decorations, especially uh, which would be surprising if you if you could see my house right now, which is very uh, sparsely to not Christmas decorated at all, <laughs> even at this late hour. Brings me around to something we did a couple episodes, Matt. Obviously, if if you've listened along with us, or if you listen to some of those episodes, you know that Matt and I pretty excited about reindeer this time of year. Mm-hmm. So, Matt, you'll have to check out the social media on judging pro this week every week we do a markham class where we throw a little class up on our social media it's just a picture class and man people get excited about that that's usually always one of our bigger posts during the week people like to comment they get a chance to win a subscription but oh man the comments and stuff people get really excited sometimes get pretty fired up when they get it right or wrong this week it's Christmas, so do you know what our Markham class is this week? Is Matt? it gonna be reindeer? It's reindeer, buddy. You're gonna. Oh to my gosh! Where did you in. find that? I had to do a little searching. I'm not gonna lie. I had to kind of call in a few favors of the North Pole to get some pictures of reindeer, and uh, there's a little surprise in there. Maybe Rudolph makes an appearance uh, in that uh, in that uh, particular class. I'll give I you a little, wait. I'll give you a little preview of it. I'll send it I to you. Wait. You can you can check it out and see what you think. I'm giddy. I figured that you would enjoy the reindeer Markham this week. You know, we went through to a light show today, and there was reindeer, little fake reindeer that like would move and their heads would go up. And I was like, oh man, I just I just want one so bad. So actually, I want eight of them. That's what I want. You know, Matt. Around Christmas time, one of the things that everybody talks about is what are you getting for Christmas? What are you going to get for so-and-so? What do we get for this person? What do you want for Christmas? Boy, that's a biggie, right? Talk about pressure. What's on your Christmas list? That's a big thing. I can remember being a kid 
and getting out the old Sears catalog. Oh, me too. Penny. Oh, man. And just, I would pour over that thing, you know. Uh, and I can tell you, probably the Christmas present that I asked for, that to me, I was like, it's all I want. It's all I want. And I don't know if you remember, when, when we were kids, G.I. Joe's are big Oh, thing. yeah. G.I. Joe's are a big thing. And I'm not old enough that they were the big, like, Barbie-sized G.I. Joe's. These are like the little the little poseable guys. And I was a big G.I. Joe fan. And one year, they came out with a big aircraft carrier place. Oh, yeah. Actually, I think I remember that. Huge. It was like seven or eight foot long and like three foot wide. And in my head, I was like, well, that's obviously what I want for Christmas. Now, I will tell, spoil surprise, and say that Santa never found my house with that. I I think it probably just got lost in the mail, maybe mm-hmm. somewhere. I think so. But I, I still am yet to receive the uh, G.I. Joe aircraft carrier. I, it had a name. I can't remember what the name of it is. Um, but, you know, you get older and you, you go to, you know, work functions or you go to, you know, family parties or whatever. And a lot of people have gone to... Gag gifts, fun gifts, white elephant exchange, that whatever name you call it. Matt, do you got any good ideas, last minute suggestions for the folks for good gag gifts? You know, there's a lot of them. There is always that Cards Against Humanity that you can throw out there. It's a big Uh, favorite. If you want to go the PG version, Apples the Apples. Mm-hmm. I think it's really good. There's a lot of like uh, political toilet paper that I think is pretty funny. Yeah. I, I usually like those. Um, a few years ago, we got a buzzer, like a potato, hot potato that like sends out an electrical shock to you. All right. And like, whoo, tell you what, like it get, when you put it on high, like you do not want to be there. And I've seen many times Somebody got shocked with that thing and threw it to the person next to him <laughs> and him in the face. Like it, it just happens. But there's there's some good ones out there. And I think, uh, you know, we try to keep it pretty uh, PG-13 on the show. So, uh, but I think, uh, I think there's some good ones out there. What about you? You know, <coughs> pardon me. You know, Matt, I'm not, I'm not good at the gag gift thing. I, I and, and and especially if we have to keep it PG thirteen, I can tell you that usually my sense of humor, or my worry is, especially when I was teaching and like the teachers would do, you know, like mm-hmm. Secret Santa or they do a gag gift exchange. Eventually, I just bowed out of that because it was one too many visits with the administration about that's not appropriate. We <laughs> should be given those kind. What I don't know what you're thinking here. Uh, so-and-so was offended by your present. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I kind of declined from gag gifts. Now I will tell you some of the ones that I always thought were the funniest were, um, you know, somebody would get, would get big, nice wrapping paper and they, they, they'd take a box, you know, now everything comes in an Amazon box, right? Like yes, for sure. every house at Christmas, just a Amazon box for it. But it's Christmas every day in my house. There was a time when you bought an item for those things, or you, you would go buy, you know, 
it would have packaging and it would, you know, the packaging would look like whatever the item was, maybe an iPhone box or whatever. And then, so people are like, oh my gosh, I got this really cool thing. And you open it up and it's, you know, like a, a used deck of cards that's missing yeah. like half the deck or something and whatever. And, uh, and so those, those type of things I think are funny. The white elephant gift exchange. I love watching those, you know, cause sometimes they're good good prizes and sometimes it's you know somebody's you know an extra small set of sweatpants you know that nobody in the room can wear <laughs> you know and so people are trying to trade and they get stuck with that stuff that kind of stuff's fun those things are fun they're for laughs and so man uh, you know as long as everybody understands the rules which i will admit uh, a few times i was probably ignorant of uh, the rules and guidelines for those things um, I, I think that, man, that gag gift deal is fun. I've got a, I've got a, another one for you, Matt. You know, we talked about, I wanted the GI Joe playset thing when I was a kid and it, and it must've got lost in a snowdrift when Santa was flying through the neighborhood. What's the best Christmas present you remember getting? What's the best Christmas present you remember? You know, I, I've been very lucky. I've had a lot of people give me some good Christmas presents and I, I think all of my clothes are pretty much given to me at Christmas because I don't find time to go to the local, you know, uh, like I'm, I'm a Coles guy, you know, yeah, uh, got to get that Coles cash for sure. And I never spend it. Like I get all this money. I was like, I got to come back tomorrow. Like I got to spend <laughs> this. And I never do. Like they get me every time with that being said, uh, you know, just thinking back when I was younger, I, I remembered like two presents and, and I, I, there's got to be more. So mom, forgive me. But like, I remember like I Madden football came oh, out yeah. and man, I just, you know, I was just a big Madden or football fan and I wanted the Madden football game. And I remember on that Christmas morning, there it was. And I played that sucker all day and I was so happy. You know, it was it was really good. Um, so anyway, I think that's the one that kind of stands out to me. And I've had really good ones. So I really, but I just remember the excitement of being, you know, 12, 13 years old, mm. getting something like that that you really wanted. Um, and, you know, thinking back, you know, probably one of those things where, you know, take for granted, like how hard those things were probably to come by. Yeah. And, and they, they still made it happen. So very appreciative to my parents for that. You know, that really is, I think, and, and I know, I know it is for you as a dad. To me, especially when my daughter was growing up, that was the best part of Christmas was watching your kids open presents. And I imagine every parent feels that way is, you know, maybe surprising them with something that they didn't think they were going to get or whatever. And, uh, you know, as a parent, we, we talked about on another episode that, man, this time of the year, it can be stressful, obviously, and the holidays and all that kind of stuff. But that Christmas morning and seeing, you know, really seeing someone's surprise and excitement over, you know, For something sure. unwrapped is that, man, it's just the best. It's just the best. Now, I do have one that's fairly funny. My grandfather, uh, never got Christmas presents framed by my grandma always took care of it. 
Well, my grandmother passed away. And on Christmas Eve, he calls his sons and say, I don't have anything for Christmas. Take me to take me shopping. So the boys take him to Walmart to buy all the Christmas presents. <laughs> and my dad, bless his heart, he finds all these CDs that he liked like George Thorogood and Tom <laughs> Petty and all these guys. And he gave them to me. I'm opening these, I think the Eagles and different things. And, and I'm opening these things. I'm like, dad, like, what, 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 thanks, I guess. Like, and he was so proud of it. With that being said, I wore that George Thorogood CD out. Like, oh man, I love that thing. And mm -hmm. it was so good. Like the clock in the wall says three o'clock or whatever it is. Like it is so good. And I enjoyed it so much. And, you know, thinking back, uh, sometimes those presents that you don't think you want or you don't realize you need are, yeah. the, are the best. You know, Are the ones that really stick with you. They really do. And I'll never forget that George Thorogood one. It, it was, it was uh, great stuff. It should be on my playlist. I need to add it. Heck yeah, man. Heck yeah. We'll have to talk about that a little bit on one of the future playlist discussions. Some of that stuff, that classic stuff, man, it just doesn't go out of style. Oh, no. Especially that. It's so, it's so unique and so hardcore in, in terms of like just the lyrics and the and the and the way he goes about things is pretty amazing in my opinion it is christmas time but it isn't always christmas time mm -mm. and in order to make christmas time happen if your house is anything like mine then you have to look at the whole year and kind of have a budget for sure and as livestock producers or or show families there's probably a time that all of us have to look and go, where can I spend my money the wisest? Where can I cut back? What do we have to have? What do we not have to have? And I can tell you, man, that's something that's always on my mind and has been for a long time is, you know, gosh, it feels like, and I think the, you know, we, the common discussion that I hear a lot of is, man, this is, it's an expensive hobby to have livestock expensive hobby to have showing is an incredibly expensive endeavor no matter what level you want to do it on and so most of us folks that kind of have you know normal you know nobody unless you won the lottery or have some sort of own you own google or you own you know whatever you probably have to sit back and kind of figure out where that money's going to get spent and what you what you can do and what you can't do so tonight, we've kind of talked about a segment here called Spare No Expense. Where do you, where can you cut corners? Where can you get some savings? And maybe, and more importantly, what should you not go cheap on? Matt, what do you think? Well, my sons are just getting into this showing deal and they've only been shown for about three years. Okay. But I've been raising hogs for, you know, nearly all my life. With that being said, the producer in me is the first thing I think about. 
So in a production operation, the number one thing, in my opinion, that you can't skimp on and you got to do is vaccinations. Mm -hmm. And you got to vaccinate. If you do not give that litter guard, if you do not give that ferrisher, you know, you're just opening yourself up to a lot of negative that could come your way. If you don't provide a PERS vaccine, you know, can't do that. Uh, you know, I just think that uh, you have to limit the uh, things that could go wrong or you're just going to have catastrophe after catastrophe. And I think that goes with every species. Oh, 100%. Watch things. I think that you got to make sure that the health is put at the forefront of what you're doing. With that being said, very rarely does average livestock win a show. Hmm. Very rarely does an average mother produce a good one. Yeah. So with that being said, I think genetics and phenotype if you have to spend $400 more for a good one, instead of having to feed that one along, I think it's worth it. Doesn't it, cost any more to feed a good one. Absolutely. It actually costs less. Yeah, a lot of times it one. does. So what I would say is go get the one that you want. Make sure it's healthy and go after it. Tonight, I was looking at online sales and there was a really good deals out there. And then there was one that I really wanted, you know, I, it's not worth it just to buy one. That's just okay. Yeah. Right. It's just yeah. not, it's not going to move you forward. And yeah. I know that those are relevant. I know that there's in the industry that we need animals like that. And, you know, but at the same time, I think that you got to be thinking about, Hey, where's this going to take me? How good can this one be? And I think a lot of times if you get a great one, Maybe instead of buying three, you just buy one really good one and go after it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree, Matt. I, I, I'm all in with you there in terms of you know, within your within your means, within your budget, or if you're like us, sometimes beyond your means. Um, genetics and the right kind of genetics, good genetics that are going to move you forward towards your goals. That's where you don't, that's one of those places that you're not looking for the bargain bin. You, you, you need to, you need to think of genetics and, and, and those type of breeding stock options as an investment and not mm -hmm. a cost. And uh, because if you do it the right way, they, they will be an investment and I'm a hundred percent on board with you on health. And I, I think, you know, you talked about vaccinations. I think it goes a long way, you know, in terms of, you know, just simple stuff like warmer, you know, yeah, yeah, warmer costs money. And if I don't warm them on the regular, I'll save a little money, but what's that really costing me in the end? And, uh, you know, healthy animals tend to eat better, be more efficient, gain quicker, all that kind of stuff. There's a reason uh, when we look at those hog EPDs that there is a days to 230 or days to 250 because as hog producers we know the longer you're feeding them the more money it costs you okay because feed's expensive which is going to bring me to another point here in a minute cattle in the feedlot 
there's a reason that those guys know how many, you know, how long does it take to get to the choice grade? How long does it take to get to 1,200 or 1,400 or whatever? Because they know that every day that that steer stand in the feedlot, there's a cost associated with that. And so if we take care of our animals from a health standpoint and we don't go the cheap route on health and we have a kind of a regimented plan and we stick to it and we spend the money that it takes on vaccinations and health and disease. Uh, we're going to come out probably money ahead in the long run, just like investing in good breeding stock, investing in good livestock in general, probably going to be better off. And I'm a big proponent of, you know, you look at, you go look at that livestock, you look at those online sales, all that stuff, whatever, you know, however you buy. And I realize, hey, that's the great thing about online sales is they make livestock available to us that we don't maybe have the time or just feasibility to go look at in person. Um, and all of a sudden we can see them in, on pictures and videos and all that stuff. And we can ask people that have seen them. And we're, I think it's expanded the availability of livestock to people coast to coast like never before. But I think one of the bad habits people get into, and I mentioned this because we're coming up obviously on, you know, I think of this as a show, maybe a show animal discussion as much as anything. We're getting up really to hot and heavy online sale time of the year. And I think people go and they make their list and they go, okay, here's my list. I got five barras. Let's say I want to buy. I'd buy any of these five. Well, this one's out of my budget. That one's out of my budget. This one's out of my budget. I bid on this one, got outbid. Now what do I do? Oh, oh gosh. Uh, 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 I got to buy something. And so they don't really, you know, all of a sudden, and don't get me wrong, those can be the hogs that, you know, come July or August, you're like, oh man, that was by the century, man. Yeah. I right. It does happen. It does. It happen. does happen. But I can tell you, my experience with that is probably more like ninety ten. If I want to be optimistic, eighty twenty. Yeah. That those impulse buys very rarely work out, and mm -hmm. you're not happy with them when you get them home because yep. that wasn't one that impressed you on video mm -hmm. or in person or whatever. And you settled. And I guess that's a great, just, you know, spend the money you can buy the best ones you can buy, but don't settle to just buy one. You know, I'd rather have three butt kickers in the barn instead of taking that same money and buying 20 mediocre ones. For sure. Because like we said, Feed's expensive. And that's probably, Matt, what I would throw into it. My number one rule is the one thing here that we do not skimp on is feed. It makes no sense to me at all to go buy a $10,000 sheep mm -hmm. or a $20,000 steer or a $10,000 barrel and pull it around in a $100,000 pickup in a $65,000 trailer and then go down to your local farm store and buy a $5 bag of feed. For sure. Yeah, I'd rather pull up in a truck with 300,000 miles in a trailer that barely got there and needs a set of tires and jump one off there that is fresh and fed and looks mm -hmm. like they meant to be at the show that day. Um, Nutrition, in my mind, is the make or break thing in so many livestock projects out there for kids and really 
um, you know, genetics, such a huge deal in making those things great. Nutrition is what separates the great ones in my I mind. I couldn't agree more. And one thing is, you know, a lot of animals we talk about consume 3% of their body weight. Yeah. That's what they need to consume. A 1,300-pound steer, you know, it's going to be consuming some feed. Mm-hmm. So we have to understand, hey, let's make sure it gets its full capacity of feed. Mm-hmm. And I've been and I've helped people out before. And back when I showed or sold steers, and I'd go out there and look, and you'd see the the bright and shiny bags. And we're not going to say what bag it was, but and I was like, what? Why? Are, man, I just don't understand why he's not doing better. And then I started asking about what his intake is. And then all of a sudden, then I realized that instead of 32 pounds a day, he's getting 16 pounds a day. Yeah. And well, we just can't afford to feed all that. Well, I get it, but he has to have something. Yeah. He has to be able to consume. Now, I will be the first person to say this. I'm a firm believer that if you can just put things on a growing ration, and if you're not jackpotting them hard, I think that you can wait till four weeks out and start to crank on those things. Yeah. And I, I really truly believe that's when you can pour those additives and that's when you can, you know, give it those extras. Yeah. You know, and I think that you can get, get along pretty well, just growing that animal for a period of time, but boy, for that stretch run, you really need to have all the bells and whistles going and you need to spend some money or or you're just not going to get there. And I'll be the first to tell you when I made my leap in being able to be able to feed used to tell me, Hey, do this and this and this and this and this. I'm like, I can't possibly do that. That's what we dollars. (laughs) And then, you know what, when we did it, what happened? Yeah. We started seeing a great deal of success that's when it happened. And, uh, you know, they make those things for a reason. Some of them work, some of them don't, but boy, sometimes you just got to spend it. If you really want to go to the next level. That's right. And don't, don't, don't get me wrong. Um, I'm not just preaching, Hey, you got to have all of the additives. You got to have every shiny bag and bucket that they make. Cause I'm not a proponent of that. I think finding a good base ration, that actually has the nutrition value that that animal needs Mm -hmm. is way more important than what bag it comes in or what bucket it's fed out of. And I guess, so when I say go down to the local store, there's a lot of hand mixed rations that are incredibly good, Mm -hmm. incredibly good feed, regardless of species. Um, And then obviously there's some things that you can go buy pre-bagged in a nice fancy bag that are very, very good too. I guess what I mean is, you know, go down to the local, you know, well, I got this goat and we paid a bunch for him and my daughter wants to win the county fair. So let's just go down to the local, you know, farm and home supply and get a bag of all stock 12%, (laughs) you know, get the old coffee can out. He needs about a half a coffee can a day, whatever, you know, I I think putting time effort and the resources that you can afford behind a good nutrition program 
is paramount. And, and, and when I say nutrition, I mean water too. I mean water. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. You and I both know an animal's intake in terms of feed is directly limited. The ceiling for that intake is dictated by water intake and water quality. And I can't tell you the times that I've gone to someone's house, man, this one just won't gain. They just won't eat, blah, 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 blah. Okay, what are you feeding? And I'll start kind of looking and breaking down what they're eating or what they're trying to feed that critter. And then I get to looking around. And one of the first things I always look is, what are you watering this thing with? Oh, we got a tube water, you know, for this hog. And, you know, I put three gallon of water in their day. Okay, well, let's think about that. 280 pound bear when it's 90 degrees out. Mm-hmm. Probably drinking more than three gallon a day. And if he's not drinking it very fast, that water in them tube waters probably ain't real cool and refreshing. It wouldn't be if I was, you know, think of Matt set you a bottle of water. Go buy a big, nice, cool bottle of water at your local convenience store. Take you a sip and then set it in the bed of your pickup in August and try getting a drink at one o'clock in the afternoon. It's probably not super refreshing. Mm-hmm. A clean, cool water source for animal and consistent water sources for animals. You know, when we talk about spending money, or that's really what we're getting to here, I guess. I think that's drastically overlooked. Man, you know, I got I got these pipe waters. Or, you know, well, we got a water tank. Well, when was the last time you cleaned it? Is it full mm-hmm. of algae? You know, is it do you do you freshen it up? Do you make sure they haven't pooped in it, that they're not filling with wood chips, that kind of stuff. And so I guess in my mind, going along with the nutrition, you know, people are like, oh, I just don't want to put in waters. I don't want to put in a water system in my hog barn. And I think, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? It's actually one of the cheaper things that you can do. Yeah. That will reap the most rewards and the most benefits. Yeah. By keeping clean, fresh water in those pens it works out really well and don't get me wrong there's a ton of products out there we we didn't touch on fitting stuff we didn't touch Mm. on equipment we didn't touch on facilities but i can tell you all of that stuff can vary i don't have to have a brand new truck and trailer every year i do not have to have the fanciest trailer doesn't have to have every bell and whistle on it I don't necessarily need a brand new $100,000 truck to pull that trailer. <clears throat> because if I don't start off with good livestock and I don't keep them healthy and I don't feed them like they need to be fed, all of a sudden I'm not going to have much value for my vehicular dollar there when it comes to that kind of stuff. And I can build a big, nice 80 by 100 show barn and I can put in the highest dollar cooler. And I can work here 17 times a day and I can feed every additive. But if that calf ain't eating and he's not drinking, or if he's not getting his roughage intake met, I'm not going to be happy with the results. And so I think all of that stuff is secondary Mm -hmm. to the basic necessities of raising good ones. And that's genetics and the type of livestock that we're investing in health and disease and the nutrition. And then you can go crazy on the other stuff as Mm -hmm. budget allows. And if it's at my house, that means the budget doesn't allow very much. You gotta, (laughs) you gotta find 
tools and tricks of the trade to make that other stuff happen. I always think it's funny how people will say, well, I got to get all the fanciest gates and I got to do this and I got to do that. And then they say, then it comes to time to buy some animals and like, well, I don't want to spend that. Well, well, buddy, like you're not showing these gates. Like you're not showing all this different facilities, buddy. you're, you're showing livestock and, and that's why you got into this. And I, I I've never been one to have a really nice trailer and I've, I, I've always envied people that had them, but I, my always thing was I was going to spend my money on my livestock and my feed and my health and nutrition. And if you got those things, it doesn't matter what your livestock comes on. As long as this tire doesn't fall off in the Creek. You don't want a tire falling off in the Creek. And you'd probably most folks would not be comfortable loading up hogs to drive from my house in Denver in a truck with 300,000 miles, uh-uh. um, some of that kind of stuff. But, you know, what gets off the trailer ultimately is way more important than the trailer that brought them there. And uh, and don't get me wrong, <clears throat> for all you folks out there that have a nice new trailer, or for some of our listeners that maybe work in that industry and sell trailers, we're not bashing that. Hey, uh, if you want to give me a deal on a great trailer, I'm all ears. And I love the trailer I have. And, you know, we, we did you know, kind of bite the bullet at one point there here. I don't know, it's been almost 10 years ago now and bought a nice trailer. Um, but I did that knowing this thing's going to have to last me probably my life. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> like, <laughs> because uh, we're going to get some good out of it. And we have, and that's yeah. the thing. Like, you know, we, we have a tendency around here literally to run stuff till the wheels fall off. Um, for sure but you know having good ones in those pins and those trailers probably is is the ultimate goal and if you are somebody that's going on a budget and you're not trying to necessarily win the whole show but have success in classes sometimes waiting till the end of the season the show or the the buying season Mm-hmm. Those sales are kind of winding yeah. down and everybody's oh, yeah. barn's kind of full. Sometimes you can get some really good livestock that's a little bit younger. Mm-hmm. Or you maybe just to... didn't look good three yeah. weeks ago when the sale happened. And you don't have to feed them as much. And the quality is going to be still high. And then what you can do is you can maybe win that March class or you can that's win right. That July heifer class or something like that. that we always kind of talked at our house like somebody's got to win division one. Right. It, and it might as well be you. Yeah. Beards and banner listener. That's right? right. And so if you're patient and you're willing to maybe not, you know, go head to head with everybody that's trying to buy that hog or that sheep or that steer or that goat that's going to go win their state fair and they think, he has to be out of this <clears throat> two weeks window worth of sales. Then I think there are still some values to find. I could not agree with you more. And boy, I really enjoyed that segment. I think, I, uh, I think it could be fun and I think we can come back to it and, you know, let's just kind of face it like, Hey, let's take care of the basics and, raise good livestock, have good livestock, focus on feed genetics and health. And boy, you can go a long way. Can't you? Mm-hmm. You can, you get those things taken care of. You're going to have, you're, you're going to have more good days than bad. Probably. 
You know, I left that segment pretty motivated, but it's that time again, man, for a motivational message. But before we get to what you have to say, I have a challenge for some of our listeners. If you have never watched or if you have not watched in a while, the movie called It's a Wonderful Life, I challenge you to watch this. Here's why. There's a guy by the name of George Bailey, who's kind of been a person that's gone out of his way to help people all his life. And all these people are so gracious and thankful for him and everything that he's ever done for him. But he doesn't necessarily realize it. And he never got ahead financially like a lot of his friends. And he has to come to think one night, hey, what have I done? And he gets his daubers down and he gets a little bit sad. And there's a lot more to the story. However, it all comes back where when he was in trouble, everybody in town came back and helped him. The reason I say that is this. Sometimes you get down. Focus on what you do for others and focus on what you can do for others. And more times than not, you'll be more fulfilled, you'll be happier, and it'll pay off in the long run. So be like George Bailey. Watch that movie this week. I guarantee you it'll perk you up. And uh, it is a black and white video, but it is so good and it has such a good message. And I think it'll put you in a great holiday spirit and also leave you motivated to help other people for 2024, my friend. I love it, Matt. And, and, and I agree, um, you know, pay it forward, put good things out of the world and they usually come back to you tenfold. And uh, I love that movie. I think it's a great message. You know, when we were talking about motivational stuff and, 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 and I guess my message isn't necessarily a Christmas message. We'll kind of, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about, you know, kind of Christmas message here in a minute. But when I was thinking, and, and I'll be honest with you, Matt, and you, you know, like we had to back this recording, this podcast episode up just a little bit um, because you'd had a, a rough week last week. This week, I got to share in that a little bit. And there are times where you feel like you look failure right in the eye and that it's you're surrounded in it. You're stuck in it. Quicksand, almost. You just can't get out. You can't get free of it. And I think we've all been there. I can tell you I've been there. There's I tell people this at every turn of the corner. There's not one thing in my life uh, that I've tried to do that I've that I've not failed at at some point. Mm -hmm. um, and I think none of us wants to look at that and go, well, I, you know, I'm not good at this or I failed at this. Never, never, never give up, never give up. And that's my message for tonight. There are so many times in all of our lives where it would be easy to say, well, this is, it isn't going to work. This isn't going to happen. I'm not good enough at this. I don't have the budget for this, whatever the case may be at the time. It's easy to look at that and see the clouds and go, 
it'd be easier if I just didn't do this. But you just never know when those clouds are going to part. Mm -hmm. The sun might shine on you. And so this is the quote that, and I, I think of it every day. I think it pertains to raising livestock. I think it pertains to showing livestock. I think it pertains to so many things in our lives. And I used to tell this to my students all the time. It was one of the big things that we talked about. Never give up. Every champion was once a contender who refused to give up. Nobody's just trips on the carpet and falls into being number one or being the best at something. It's easy to look across the board, especially today on social media, and see victories happening and go, well, that must have been real easy for that person. Gosh, they get to win and I don't. They are successful and I'm not. They're happy and I'm not happy. Whatever the case may be, you're just seeing you're seeing the victory lap. You're not seeing the work that went into whatever is going on there. And everybody has their struggles. And we talk about that a lot on here. Every champion was once a contender who refused to give up. You got to stay the course. You got to keep you got to keep hammering and got to keep fighting and got to keep trying because, you, like I said, you never know when the clouds are going to open up and the sun's going to find you. And I'm a big believer in believing it into reality. And uh, and I think that that quote has got me through a lot of times where probably it would have been a lot easier to give up and probably on, you know, driving alone in my truck or, you know, sitting in the barn I've had to have that talk with myself before of, hey, one more time or one more day or one more thing, and we'll see where it goes. And uh, and I think that if you can stay the course, if you can keep trying, whether it's in a job, uh, a sport, a hobby, a relationship, whatever it may be. Very seldom do you look back at those times when times got rough and you kind of stayed the course. The The waters got a little rough and you kept sailing. Do you look back and go, boy, I really regret that. Boy, I just really regret that. Because you don't usually. Because usually that rough water takes you to a beautiful destination. And I'm a big believer, like I said, in not giving up and kind of believing it into reality and uh, and it just takes time sometimes and a little effort and sometimes a little discomfort to get there i couldn't agree more and boy what a great message and just keep keep going and uh as we end this today i want to give a shout out to our friend derek feldman who uh him and his wife uh, sent us a really nice note in our own Beards and Banner Tumblr. And it was so nice. And I can't even tell you how nice that was for him to send us that. And But at the same time, that's a guy that's kept going. And Derek, keep going, my friend. And thank you so much for the tumblers. Uh, we really appreciate it. It's going to make an appearance every single episode. For every me. episode. And I love it. So thank you we very much. We appreciate you, Derek. Thank you. For sure. And buddy, that was fun. I wish you a Merry Christmas. I wish you our too, man. audience a Merry Christmas. And please check on each other. Please check on yourself. And 
It's the Christmas season. Be nice. Absolutely. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas.